Well, I mean, shame boys strike again. Yep. Uh, shame yeah. Shame boys. It turns out, <laughs> <laughs> no matter how good a book is, it's hard to read at Christmas time. Yeah, I I read like I was like reading like a hundred. I think I read like two hundred pages yesterday, and I'm still like. So in my uh, in my little iPhone, it's like 568 pages. That's how long the book is, and I read 200. I'm still like not even halfway there. The, um, <laughs> the paperback copy comes in at 375. Mm-hmm. You know, when celebs write books, they usually aren't this um, actually thought out and dense. <laughs> and I thought, you know, yeah, and good and like good, and, yeah. I, you know, it's weird. Like I was thinking back to when we when I read Sophie's Choice in the Streep season, Free Baby, mm-hmm. and I was like, I would have never made it through Sophie's Choice, <laughs> never. No. In, in my boy, life, boy, comes at you fast. It change, yeah. you know, it's a, a lot of changes. Um, <laughs> but you know, and time. And on that note, hello and welcome to the. Get this, we've done so many, I'm not even remembering the episode count. Annual, award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy. The show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. I'm Patrick Grimion. Welcome to The Academy. And um, boy, if that cold open didn't uh, tell you everything you needed to know, neither of us finished Albert Brooks's novel. Yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people had kids. Some people were just a little lazy. Travel, uh, moving. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was anticipating multiple bus trips being up in Seattle uh, to go to work. But uh, my dad gave me a lift every day, which was wonderful bonding time and not a lot of reading time. So, you know, I, I think Albert Brooks would be OK with that. Um, uh, I, but hey, you know what? Uh, bonding with your dad. A little better than reading a book about the future that'd probably make you a little sad. Yeah, yeah. Albert, um, I mean, you know, full disclosure here, I made it through 38 pages, which is not far. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, his, vis- his vision of the future is both um, dry and satirical and completely bleak. Yeah, it's, um, and it's, sorry about that, I had to cough and I had to mute myself for a second yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but uh uh what I uh what I what I read of it uh I read probably like a third of the book and uh it yeah it's good it's definitely like yeah it's a bleak future it's interesting it's like a future where like uh all the cosmetic stuff is handled pretty well but then everything else not so much <laughs> yeah he's really thinking about like in an interesting interesting way <sighs> kind of about how innovation like true innovation kind of the negative results of what we would dream about as kind of a utopian elements of the future so i mean like one of the big cruxes is that cancer is cured Mm. in this thing and this kind of idea that um now nobody really dies and everyone is kind of a vital member of society, even into like their 80s and that kind of thing. Ooh, and how big of a bummer that is for the youth. Yeah. Because that basically shows them in, in boy, how telling this book is. When did this, when did this drop it? Uh, I'm looking at the copyright page now, t- 10 years ago, <laughs> 10 years ago. And how so much of this seems to be coming to fruition. And obviously we haven't cured cancer, but because 
the older generation is just living so much longer how many of the you know especially like the zoomers and generation z just feels completely hopeless because of it oh it's like, nuts it's nuts how many people in america right now uh, that have like you know the most power they're not even like boomers they're like the silent generation it's they're, nuts. yeah it's at the yeah and it's just i mean if you look at everybody from the president on downwards i mean we're talking people late 70s at their youngest yeah that's like that's a spring chicken i mean even our like beloved film figures who i want to continue doing things for a million trillion years you know i mean let a you know scorsese cronenberg man dante are all of our like heroes of the show they're all yeah. in their late 70s yeah, and I mean, it goes up to the the big dog himself the god clint 91 <laughs> I mean, like yeah he's and like, the, the youth is crying macho not not the olds yeah <laughs> and look do i want clint eastwood to go into the emperor palpatine giant crane and live forever yes i want I want to like making like get off my lawn movies at 103. <laughs> yes, I want. I want to cry macho too. Mm-hmm. I want him to be 104. Cry machoer. <laughs> cry machoer. I want him to cry even yeah. more macho. The the most macho of crying that one could do is the sequel to Cry Macho. Cry <laughs> Macho Two. Macho lives. Ma- yeah. This this one the the, the rooster strikes back. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to fight the cartels on their own turf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this 105-year-old man. It's going to be a Sicario cry macho crossover <laughs> picture where Benicio Del Toro and the rooster go to Mexico together to t- take care of business. Benicio Del Toro is just carrying Colin Eastwood everywhere. And then like he's kind of like bringing him kind of closer to the bad guy so we can give him a little punch. Yeah, it's like it was the... Um, <laughs> Is that the Martin Short character in Arrested Development who had to be carried places because he was so old and like? <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, I can picture Clint getting directed while being carried by a large man. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. King, oh, I love those guys. But like, there's one like super talent. There's a lot of. I mean, Brooks is brilliant as usual. Even in the first forty pages, you get you totally get that and. There's this one telling line though. It's like their their grandparents fought for free love and freedom, got it, and kept it. <laughs> that was like it was like and it, like I like that. I like that concept of like, okay, like just because you did it and you got it, yeah, it's like okay, cool. But now you've been selfish about it and just kept it all for yourself. Oh, totally. It's it's a grim, it's a grim portrait. Uh, that's painted uh based on what you've read who do you think would be like the albert brooks oh um the the president seems like a good one i think in his worst day brad yeah (laughs) brad gets it pretty bad see once stuff happens to brad then i'm like yeah i think that i think that if albert got a chance to make this as a movie at like in his late 70s he's playing brad yes a hundred percent. I think it's like, yeah, he's like, because initially I was like, uh, maybe this is like, maybe a few, maybe like twenty or thirty years earlier, he could have been Nathan Bernstein or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
Yeah, nah, it's a yeah, especially like when the the climax happens, or not the climax, but like the one of the big moments in the film or the book occurs. Yeah. I, I I saw Kevin Klein as the president. That's a good one. I like that. He seems like a good. He'd be very. Um, he'd be a funny erudite take. Maybe 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 a lingering uh, Dave fumes Ooh, led Dave, led me to that. Dave energy. Uh, Dave. Yeah. Maybe the most top you were you were texting me. You just watched that uh, truly yeah. optimistic view of the presidency. Oh, such a like man. No one on earth would ever make a movie like this ever again. Oh. This, this is the last time anyone felt any love. For Picture this. like Adam McKay just watching that movie, just yelling "liar, liar." Yeah. <laughs> Dave, you sick fuck. Yeah. Dave is up to something, and I know it. I'm gonna uncover it. <laughs> Adam McKay is like Dave's Oliver Stone. Yo, yeah. What a meta thing. Speaking of um, meta, totally off topic. You watch Matrix yet? No. I watched it last night. Was it good? <laughs> I really liked it. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's, that's a that's a hot take. Yeah, I dug it. Plans for us. I dug it. We could talk. We, nothing to do with anything we do on this show, but I just wanted to see if you had seen it yet. Nah, <laughs> nah I wish. Yeah, it's cool. But it, it's 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 cool. It's very um, self-aware. It's a kind of a commentary on itself and the Matrix phenomenon. I do truly believe it seems to be like. All of it is a response to that tweet thread, that famous one where Elon Musk said, take the red pill. And Ivanka mm. Trump said, I did. And Lana Wachowski said, fuck you both. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that is the story. Basically, the Matrix Resurrections is that <laughs> as a story. It's like, okay, we're we're going to reclaim it. It's like that one. I saw that movie about, um, saw that documentary about the guy who do uh, Feels Good Man. Like the documentary about the guy who made the Pepe. Product. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that whole thing was about that guy like realizing his like stuff was like out of his hands and him trying to reclaim it in some way or form. And so I, I'm all for that. I'm all for like, because like uh, that would suck if I created like, I don't know, like uh, Little Waldorf or something. And then suddenly Little Waldorf was like <laughs> a well, symbol it's, it's... used by people I did not enjoy. Oh, like the creative process. It's like these incredibly like personal internalized things that you're trying to express in kind of a mass medium but the way that people these days and I think it's because that idea we've talked about before of like culture is all we got yes um the way that people make turn them into like their personalities and it's like a life or death thing whether you like the film or believe in the tv show or something like that I mean like the those those dum dums who like put, signed a petition to get them to refilm the end of Game of Thrones because it didn't leave, leave live up to because they named their kid Daenerys or something. Fuck <laughs> yeah, d- number one, don't do that. Yeah, don't do. That. <laughs> oh no, that poor kid. <laughs> no. Yeah, just like I like Star Wars. I'm not naming my kid Greedo. <laughs> yeah, I know. Jeez. But yeah, it's like yeah, the, the like the betrayal you feel. Or, I mean, because I have a feeling like people like Elon Musk on down are going to like absolutely hate this new Matrix movie Mm. because it is this like basically telling them like, listen, man, this isn't this isn't what you think it is at all. (laughs) 
kind of <laughs> kind of argument, which is like very cool. Like to see a movie that clearly costs like two hundred fifty million dollars, basically be this like very personal commentary on misunderstanding of your art mm. uh, is really interesting. It's it almost reminds me. It's a it's like one of the craziest big budget movies I've seen in a really long time and somebody did say though it's like warner brothers put out malignant dune cry macho suicide squad and matrix resurrections this year and for a bunch of like ostensibly mainstream movies that's a crazy crazy batch of stuff yeah that is like a, i feel like warner brothers um in a risk adverse uh, market, they are taking a couple of risks that, uh, you know, certainly not, you know, no one else is really, ta- you know, Disney isn't taking these kind of yeah, risks. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, I mean, obviously they're all within the world of IP, but even going back to like the Zack Snyder Justice League and the Todd Phillips Joker and stuff like that, they're letting people be a little freaky within yeah. these like safe spaces. Whereas like, <laughs> you know, the other companies are so like manicured and controlled and it is neat to see like author author voices coming through in these like gigantic ostensibly like four quadrant pleasing everyone kind of things which is kind of neat that's the way i think it should be a hundred percent i think like i don't know like if you're saddled with an ip at least try to make it fun and interesting like okay i'll tell you what i saw uh spider-man uh before i left uh for see my family right um and it was so crazy watching that movie because number one full audience uh we all have covid now we're all gonna die yep. no i'm i'll, I'll cut that out. uh but uh, uh hey, but, but uh, that it was for the fans it was for the fans they <laughs> hey it was for the fans anyway, it was for the fans <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> but uh uh but then, like, the second thing, what was it? Um, they clapped, like, the audience clapped, like, seven times throughout the movie. It was so crazy. You'd have, like, do you mind if I just, you don't give a shit, right? Can I just- I, I, I've, I've heard about some of the, uh, you want to, maybe somebody, maybe one of our listeners gives a shit. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I can, I'll do, like, a spoil here. Spoiler alert. I'm just going to do spoiler alert. So, Five, like- four, three, two, one. Go. So freaking freaking Daredevil shows up from the <laughs> Netflix. I'm not even joking from the Netflix show. A show uh, that meant so much to so many people. Apparently, because everyone just clapped and like it was like fucking the second coming or some shit. And then like so weird. But then like everyone's like, you see Andrew Garfield. Everyone's like, yes, Garfield. You see Toby Maguire. See Toby Maguire. I understand. And Alfred Molina, because there's a lot of nostalgia for the Raimi ones, right? But yeah, I didn't know there was any nostalgia for the Andrew Garfield ones. That shit's insane to me. Everyone was like, and I don't get me wrong, I like Andrew Garfield, and I, I used to think he was a good Spider-Man, but like um, but it felt like watching that movie felt like I was eating at Red Lobster, having like the fettuccine Alfredo in the sense that like the last time I ate at Red Lobster, it felt like the perfect amount of sugar, salt, and fat designed to like hit my like endorphin points and like make me like it's like it's like they've gotten like the 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 
process down. They know what fans want, basically, or whatever, what their what their film goers want, and they'll give it to them in like these prepackaged ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's it but it's it's satisfying, but then in retrospect, you're like, huh, I don't know. Yeah, I it mean, feels it's like, gross. It's like artless. <laughs> but it's also like the idea of like to continue your red lobster metaphor, <laughs> when they do the endless shrimp, mm. obviously you hear that ad campaign, you're like, hell yeah. But then you get through one plate and you're like, I don't know if this is good at all. Yeah, because number one, this shrimp, probably not the best quality. It's fine, but it's... Yeah, it's like, okay, I got every variety of shrimp, but like how many shrimp were killed that I'm going to waste because I'm not going to eat? Like I spent (laughs) 30 bucks to get in on endless shrimp and I only ended up eating like 20 of them. Like... Yeah. Was it worth it? Like I, I don't know, but it's like it's weird because like everybody wants to see that. I heard like the Matrix is losing screens to the Spider-Man movie. Um, apparently, nice. inherent or not inherent vice, um, licorice, pizza. licorice pizza is not going wide. Like it's not playing in the multiplexes at all. It's only going to be in independent theaters. And while like. It's wonderful that it exists. Like, there should be a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, why not? But it should not be the only movie. No. That's that's the um, <laughs> that's the takeaway. That. And that's what Disney wants. And that sucks. As, as we speak, Kevin uh, uh, Feige, I think it's Kevin Feige. He's, uh, he's uh, or Feige, I don't know. But he's... Um, He's like trying to mount an Oscar campaign for Spider-Man. Yeah, I know. And insane. <laughs> stupid. It is not, very stupid. Like, like okay, sore, I'm sure I'm, shit. I'm yeah, I know. I'm sure it's fine, but like <laughs> you watch that, then you watch Power of the Dog, you're like, okay, I know what real movies do. <laughs> like yeah. you know? it's like, yeah, you know what? It's like an episode of television. Or like it's like, you know, or it's like a fan it, it is very fan fiction-y. Like so you watch it and it's like Everyone's clapping because it is like a fan service thing. They're servicing fans. That's what the movies are. They're ser- they service mm. fans, which and is like that's the, that's the, fine. Ma- the Matrix certainly tries to do that somewhat too. But what was like this huge bummer? You know, we watched the Matrix, and like the last thirty minutes is like this like just extraordinary action sequence. And same goes with Dune. And you're like watching this, and like why am I watching this at home? Why am I watching this on this like tinier t- like? This should feel more special than this. And it's like Ugh. this idea that it's all that, like, they want to convince you with these streaming services that there's no difference between some, like, low-rent Harry Potter reunion gossip girl and a new Matrix movie. And there is. Yeah. There is a difference. Like, you saw Licorice Pizza at the Westwood Theater. We mm. saw, I saw it at the Westwood Theater. That was, like cool and fun yeah. and special like and obviously we're living in troubling times when nobody wants to leave their house but um if we shouldn't forget how cool and fun that special is when hopefully we get out of this uh omnicron oh yeah 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 we, we were talking about the other day i was talking about my family that um doesn't omicron sound like like the corporation that accidentally like lets the aliens out <laughs> into the world or, <laughs> yeah. or, oh it definitely sounds yeah. like like they sound like the uh the 
in the post-apocalyptic future, they're the company that privatized water. Like, yeah, <laughs> like the company that invented RoboCop and RoboCop or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're the bad guys in Resident Evil. Like, 100%. Yeah, like they're like Cybernet or Cyberdyne or whatever it was in Terminator. Yeah. Oh, yeah. totally. Skynet or whatever the hell. Yeah. I'm forgetting what it is. But yeah, I can't yeah. believe it. Sorry, JC. I know you're out there listening and you're probably pissed. I know, yeah, you're our number one fan, JC. I, oh, what if he was our only listener? I, you know what? No offense to our other listeners, I'd be okay. We get one download per week. And it's James Cameron. He's like, it's the only podcast I listen to. <laughs> God, I miss, uh, I miss Tumgus. Bring Tumgus back. I won't remember Tumgus. Boy, I, I did look up what we did last Christmas. <laughs> so I was like, we've been doing this. Like, what did we do? It was, um, we did it. We always right around the time period of adaptation and um, let their, let them all talk. <laughs> this, yeah. this goes to show, here's, here's another one though. The prom that yes. was, that showed up on Netflix. People watched it and now it's just gone. Oh, just who gone. Just totally Where trash. is it? It's in the ether. Has anyone thought about it in, you know, the last eight months? No, I mean, like, it's so funny. Like, what was it? There's that one movie, Evan Hansen, that was released in theaters. And like that movie, like, was from all I've from all by all accounts, one of the worst movies ever. But I mean, at least somebody who's have... 40 as a high school kid. Uh, it's so like, funny. I love the, watching... that's that Steve Buscemi thing comes to mind every time you see the trailer. It's so good. It roll, what's, what sucks is like, he's like, he's like 29, I think, that actor, but the makeup. Oh, uh, there comes the train. Oh, no. Oh, Patrick's he, leaving on the train. He's going to go ride the rails. He, he doesn't like the state of the movie industry, so he's yeah, just going to no, go just ride gonna, the I'm just going to get my little bindle. Maybe, maybe he'll end up like Charles Bronson in Hard Times and end up in the South and get into... Um, bare knuckle fighting oh that'd be so good uh, that'd rule. i want that except i would get the shit beat out of me the first time <laughs> one, one fight in, one fight in patrick dies he went zero and one and he died hey wins best live action short yep yeah uh man it's yeah, i'm gonna remake hard times to get it right this time oh uh, man uh, let's get let's get into it yeah let's get into this thing so we're here. We're at the tail end of this Brooks Brooks Odyssey. I looked. We've done like nine weeks of Brooks Brooks. This is we have not done. We have not had a guest on the show since August. <laughs> we've just kind of been in our own little world, <laughs> which is super fun, you yeah. know. But it definitely like a kind of modern time warp kind of thing. Like, oh wow, six months of this show just disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> to our own whims of like what, what, what do you think martin breast is up to um <laughs> but here we're at the tail end of brooks brooks this has been my favorite thing we've done you know mm. right out right, rip the lid rip rip that band-aid off and say it right now i i've enjoyed this quite a bit yeah i'd say the quality of the films we've watched uh, for this has probably been higher on a whole uh than i mean i guess palcino comes close but you know, it's just yeah, it's been so fun. Like I don't know, like I love uh, some some of these movies so much. Like the and I well, feel like the, these ones are a little more modest than like the Godfathers and the Heats, yeah, of the world. Like we know, and in terms of also like just hearing podcasts, it's like how many how many Heat podcasts <laughs> have there been? Whether it's a full series on Heat 
or just one-off episodes. I mean, I think even like the rewatchables, The Ringer has done Heat three times. Oh my goodness! And they had Man on. We can't. We couldn't get him. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, so I think we got to like spotlight some. Even going back to the breast series, um, some like more curious movies just mm-hmm. throughout this entire process. I mean, obviously the the broadcast news of the world, you know, people do know those movies, but you know, again, Thursday's game, you know, nobody's talking about Thursday's game. <laughs> nobody's mm-hmm. talking about um, Hot Tomorrows. No. And I think that that's been super fun to kind of dig in on those movies and try and yeah. Try and find some stuff, but it yeah, was, we're at. What's that? I was gonna say it was fun to meet Joe Black. Joe, Joe Black. I mean, we, you know, down the line. I mean, like a lot of these characters, I mean, you know, the the pure joy of, you know, the midnight runs mm. of the world and the Lost in Americas of the world. I mean, those these are these are fun movies that I still wholeheartedly recommend you know hopefully people are checking them out as we're going even like revisiting a gigantic hit like beverly hills cop mm-hmm. super fun oh 100 percent. super super fun so we're going to close things out you know obviously the brooks boys albert wrote this book james l brooks continues to <sighs> chug away on the simpsons <laughs> until <laughs> probably until the end of time um, and but it doesn't seem like the chances of them maybe albert but i think jlb is my guess is he's done as a director you know he's into his 80s now and it's been over 10 years i mean hell he retired jack nicholson too without you know uh, <laughs> but you know like looking back on their careers i think obviously just monumentally successful. I think James L. Brooks may have taken less controlled wilder swings to varying degrees of success. Albert Brooks kind of stayed the course of this incredibly smart comedic mind with a lot more on his mind. You know, he's continuing to do a, um, a lot of supporting work. We should mention he's, he's still acting in things too apparently too it looks like at the end of this month there's going to be a uh, hbo doc on his brother super dave bob einstein that um albert's participating in that i'm i'm very much looking forward to watching that as we all remember bob's um cameo in modern romance one of the comedic highlights at the sporting goods store of the entire series oh man yeah and just it kind of gives you like a demonstration of the um the the stark contrast between Bob Einstein and Albert Brooks's performers and, and presences. Yeah. They're both like brilliant comedic performers, but they're completely different. Oh, a hundred percent. Like when you find out they were brothers, it's even like, wow, that's cool. I didn't, yeah. didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. And there's just like, um, I feel like, yeah, Bobby Einstein, he, he, he brings them a cheese mo. Uh, yeah. It's which a really like funny take on angry men oh 100 percent. but yeah i think um sorry coffee break it's also quite early time zone baby time <laughs> zone it's christmas eve you know we're making things happen for you james cameron our, our one listener, <laughs> our one listener. <laughs> yep we're <laughs> we're counting your he's, list he's gonna get up 
you know, a couple days after Christmas. He's like, boy, they better have stayed on schedule. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> or else I'm going. I'm gonna, to. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. What he's he he he's written us an email. He's the first person to send us an email. What's that address again, Patrick? Oh, the acad uh, the Academy Academy Podcast at gmail.com. He wrote us and he said, if you guys don't make maintain your schedule through the holidays. I'm not going to maintain my schedule on the release dates on the Avatar sequels. And we knew what that meant. <laughs> so yeah, we cannot, I, I do not want to be deprived of the mighty Akron. In yeah, if if I don't get Avatar 2 in a timely fashion, you know, and I, I'm speaking for the world. There, yeah. We're going to be quite upset. Yeah, I am going. I'm going to drive my car into an aquarium. The sad part, folks, is I think we are semi-serious about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Especially the aquarium part. Yeah. I will do that. If it well, I mean, it would be very fitting to uh, commit suicide over James Cameron movie by drowning. I think that's the only... That's yeah. the only... <laughs> As electric eels surround my neck. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> and I saw I saw, um, I saw, saw the abyss monster and it told me I was right in all yeah. my decisions. <laughs> Thank you, Abyss Monster. And he said too. I saw in Jason further JC news before we move on to the Brooks Boys. Um, he has completed his restoration of the Abyss. No He's way. Expecting it on Blu-ray and streaming services soon. So look out for that. We're on the edge of our seats for a new <laughs> for a remaster. Do you, how much you want to bet he like recut it? <laughs> oh my god. I bet, I, I bet like a. I bet like a good. Five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would bet that in a Las Vegas setting. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. But who cares? I want to see. I want a Blu-ray of the Abyss. Yeah. And then, please, a Blu-ray of uh, True Lies. We got to get a remaster on True Lies as well. Mm, for real. Been too so, long. Yeah. Oh. Too long. Too long. Um. So the way we're gonna kind of close things out with the Brooks Boys is we're gonna do a top five JLB, top five Albert. Um. Because I think that I want to spotlight both of them. I don't want to like just compare them and just be like, well, Albert's better, Jim's better. You know, I think it's more interesting because we've kind of done a good job, I think, of separating them and kind of where they cross over, but where they're apart and that kind of thing throughout this series. So why don't we just go back and forth, five fives with each fella. Love it. And, uh, you know, take it from there. So, Patrick, um, let's do... uh, a- age before beauty, beauty before, before age. Uh, James L. Brooks first. Mm. <laughs> He's a little bit older, uh, a little bit slower too than L. But um, so, what do you have at your five spot for James L. Brooks? This is a difficult one uh, <laughs> because I had to do a lot of like reevaluating. Um, you know, uh, I kind of. For a while, there was one movie I wanted to put at number five. Uh, But I think if I have to be honest with myself, um, there's like a movie on this list that uh, 100% has gone down in esteem since I watched it as a youth. Uh, It still has its moments, and uh, there's still like the spark of like what made James L. Brooks... um, an interesting director to follow there. Uh, But it just hasn't aged as well as some of his other works. 
um, especially his earlier works. It's interesting how like some of his works in his 80s page so much better than his later era stuff. Um, And so my number five is as good as it gets, Mm. uh, which is uh, an interesting movie with a uh, a fun performance. I think that like Jack Nicholson is a great performer. Uh, I think the three, the core three leads are like, you know, kind of deserved of their uh, Academy Award nominations and awards and whatnot. Like they're they're really good in the movie, like Helen Hunt, uh, not Helen Hunt. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Helen Hunt. OK, good, good, yeah. good. Sorry, my brain is broken. Uh, I'm a broken man. Uh, Helen Hunt, Greg Kinnear. Uh, they all uh, brought their A game to this and. It's one of those things where, like, maybe had they cast someone a little older uh, than Helen Hunt, or maybe if they had maybe cast someone a little younger than Jack Nicholson, maybe if they had not turned that into a rope. There's, like, if certain things uh, were not, if they had just avoided certain pratfalls, uh, this film probably would have been higher on the list. It also doesn't help that Jack Nicholson is truly a uh, just a terrible man in this movie and he's hard to like and it's not like you can't have a movie uh, with a an unlikable lead I love I love me a good unlikable piece of shit mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. and, and there's occasions but it's just in this movie they just like they flaunt his like victory so much there are moments in this movie where it, it's almost like a dark comedy and maybe he was trying to go through that sometimes how like you know how shitty <laughs> I think that there's an element where it's like he's trying to st- he kind of stacks the deck against himself so hard in the first 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah, it's just like I'm gonna show you how, like how big of a mountain I can climb to redeem an irredeemable protagonist. And, and it's, it's like, oh man, it's like, well, it's like one of these things. It's like here are all of Mussolini's war crimes, but he's kind of quirky. Yeah, <laughs> it is kind of like a little bit. It is like I would love. Hey, by the way, do the 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 wacky Mussolini rom com, James L. Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> he went on a road trip to um, you know, to Florence and oh, learned no. learned a few things with his his new his new gay friend and a waitress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, still, and if it still ended with him hanging. In a, in a town square, then yeah, a yeah, plus. he was still he, the, yeah, he was still hung, drawn, and quartered, but you know. yeah, <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. But yeah, I see where you're coming from there. I mean, there the movie does have some charms, but it's um the rough parts have only gotten rougher. Yeah, over the years, I think um, Kinnear's wonderful in it, though. He is, yeah, and he displays, he has moments that display pure, that's like, that's what I want from James O. Brooks, because James O. Brooks has this, like, there's a dynamic empathy to his greater, his better works, Uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, when he uses that properly, it's just beautiful, and you tear up. Yeah, and the way he's able to create real sensitivity and sincerity within these kind of very complicated people is really talented but it's just sometimes sticking the landing on that is can be hard <laughs> yeah learned. i think it's just also too that this movie um is just it's it's very long number one and then 
it needs to be cut by like half an hour and then uh and then it's just i think it, i think this five is it like really like the number five in my list there's probably some films ahead of it i'd probably watch uh later than this one but i think it's just like a it's almost like a this movie was so big and it was such a it's just it's crazy to me that this movie was it was all it was like jerry Maguire level popular yeah it was a cultural phenomenon yeah which is nuts uh but it does have my favorite poster just that yep. like classic yep he's in the air meet you wait wait until you get a load of melvin yeah well, get ready left? for melvin <laughs> get ready for melvin folks uh, what's your number five my number five i went with um might be because it's early psychedelic pick for nine number five spot and that's fuck it thursday's game what the hell <laughs> what in the hell i love strictly, it strictly for the surreal aspect that it's real <laughs> all of these weird scenes like i love the cast despite <laughs> the fact that they're all like <laughs> I, the visceral reaction i had screaming at the television no ellen no <laughs> very memorable watching it i'm happy that i've seen i'm so happy i've seen it it's not bland no i'm with you it's just so odd and strange and i just i had to spotlight it again it's unforgettable just thinking about like gene wilder going for that job bob newhart dumping cloris leachman to go on a boat to go after 18 year olds um Oh my goodness. That fight in the poker game. Um, <laughs> Ellen Burstyn bringing grace and poise to a thankless role. Um, yeah. Rob Reiner realizing he represents Gene Wilder as <laughs> <laughs> his agent. It's an insane, what a trip of a film. I know. I, I just like that, like, you think back on these things that happened like 50 years ago and like all these people showed up, they got paid, they worked really hard. It was a very important part of their lives and now it's just kind of this disappeared thing. I was thinking, I was thinking about the, I don't know why, but this is, this is a bit of a tangent, but who gives a shit. Um, the end of Gangs of New York, how he ends it with the final shot of... Mm-hmm after they've buried, spoiler for Gangs of New York, but after they've buried Daniel Day-Lewis's character and we've spent like three and a half hours in this like ultimate revenge, horrific bit of violence between these two men that overtakes this entire neighborhood. And then then DiCaprio walks away with Cameron Diaz and then Scorsese does this time-lapse sequence showing the graveyard slowly become decrepit. Mm-hmm. and then the manhattan skyline grow the twin towers come up and then the twin towers come down and it's the manhattan skyline it's just like grass and dirt where daniel day lewis and liam neeson are buried oh and how all of it is just lost to time wow it doesn't it doesn't it's like the most important thing in the world in this one moment in the gangs of new york now <laughs> is just dust 
<laughs> so this is like <laughs> Mer- Merry <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> this is their gangs. <laughs> yeah, and so Gene Wilder and Bob Newhart are, are walking around. And if you ask 98-year-old Bob Newhart or however old he is, because he's still around, what are your memories of Thursday's game? What do you think he'd say? Uh, I think he'd say, what? It was a gig. Shut yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. I'm tired. I'm tired. I, I want to go home. I don't know. What was, what? Thursday's <laughs> what? He doesn't remember it. Yeah. And, but it's like, it, it's really neat. Because like, you think about writing, you think about directing, you think about acting, or you think about your work. It's like, they did work hard at it. Yeah. You know, James L. Brooks sat in a room for a few months to write this thing out. So it's like, it, I'm glad that you found it. I'm glad we watched it on YouTube. And it's like the neatness of discovering movies and seeing these people in these different places. I don't know. It's like, it might be like for way more reasons than the, this mediocre TV movie I have it at my five spot. But I don't know. It just brought up a lot of cool feelings. That's totally fair. I think that like, it's a really interesting, weird piece. And it's just something that's been lost to the, all these weird TV movies. Like I'll go on Letterboxd. Sometimes I'll make like, you know, these little fantasy 32 seed brackets of actors I like. And like so many of these actors that were active in like the late 60s, mid to the mid 70s, they have these weird like, you know, there's like a Beauty and the Beast starring George C. Scott and like or like there's like yeah, these like things George, like George Siegel did a sequel to the Maltese Falcon called The Blackbird. That's, what? It's insane. And I, <laughs> there, there is a part of me that's like, man, maybe we should do like a bonus podcast where like uh, or like another series where we just watch weird 70s TV movies <laughs> that are on YouTube because they yeah. must the most of them must be on YouTube. Just like any movie that like just these weird like the only version that's available is either youtube or like burnt to a dvr yeah some obscure (laughs) website but yeah it's it's like that just doesn't happen these days with like the big movie stars they're just like there isn't like the working actor quality to it but also like i think everyone's so much more in control and there's less movies being made like you know after he did bob ted carol and alice elliot gould made like six movies in one year in like 1970 oh my god and like some of them are like oh cool cal like long goodbye and then some of them are like what like he has one called what (laughs) with a question mark or who or something like that i just got it i haven't watched it yet but yeah so he just worked and you're like so he has these like insane curios between like you know the long goodbyes of the world i mean even like silent partner was like MIA for years and now yeah. all of a sudden people care about it but it's like you know for ages that was just like oh that's weird what the hell is that uh, this Canadian it- thriller about Santa Claus robbing a bank <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, it, it, yeah there's something beautiful about uh, using this podcast as an excuse to like excavate forgotten media yeah and I think that's why I like we were kind of talking about the Chino thing. It's like, well, it's Godfather's wonderful, but it, frankly, it's like not as interesting right now to talk about that as it is to talk about like what else is left to say about the Godfather. Yeah, there, there's there's no uh, Paramount Plus TV series about the making of Thursday's game. Oh, if only, boy. Oh, please. 
please, please yeah. God. It was I'm fine. Sorry. They got done in four weeks and everyone shrugged their shoulders and said, nice job. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, honestly, that'd be one of the most chill, stress-free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were all professionals. Yep. Gene, um, Gene, what do you four. got for five for Albert Brooks? Oh, for Albert Brooks. Oh, my number five. Uh, so look, every Albert Brooks movie, we've decided this. We like uh, them all. They're all good. Yeah. yeah. Everyone is a everyone is a keeper. I enjoy every single one of them. Um and at this so it's like at this point, like, you know, it's uh, separating like the the nines from the nine point fives or the tens. Yep. It's yeah. But uh so, and but my number five is like I think gonna be surprising too. Uh maybe not the, as surprising as uh Thursday's game or even as good as it gets, but uh still. I'm a bit of the muse for number ah, five. Number I, five, the muse. Yeah, I was. This is the movie. So this is the one I thought would, uh, like, be bad. I thought this would be the bad Albert Brooks movie. This is going to be the one where it's like, there's no way this is like, there's nothing redeemable about this. There's, it's going to be a slog. This is going to be his. I'll do anything. Like I had that feeling in my bones, and to watch it and be like really pleasantly surprised by like a silly. Just a silly, like a light, like it's probably his lightest movie, uh, but I I enjoy that. Uh, mm-hmm. There's, a, I think it has one of my favorite moments. I love the uh, the tennis with Jeff Bridges. That's one of the, I think that's my favorite. That, that might be my favorite. And uh, the cameos he gets for this are, I think the this skinny, is the skinny, uh, skinny Raging Bull. Skinny Raging Bull is insane. They get like Rob Reiner, easy. Martin Scorsese, whoa. And then they get fucking James Cameron in this movie. (laughs) That came out of nowhere. No Uh, more water. No more water. uh, You know, you had Stephen Wright as Steven Spielberg's brother playing (laughs) with the weird yellow gay boy. (laughs) 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 Talking about like the dogs he knows in Hollywood. His walk walk to Steven Spielberg's office (laughs) where he gets called out by the tram tour as a sad man. Yes. Oh, I love that. Or like when he's uh, in the office and he's about to sit on a couch and the, his Bradley Whitford is like, now nah, that's the that's the the couch from Saving Private Ryan. That scene where Insane. Bradley Whitford pitches him a bad pitch. He's like, yeah, I'll think about it. He's like, you're not going to use it. It's like, no, no. <laughs> oh, just, it's just yeah. funny. It's funny. It's just like, yeah, I just really enjoy that. The muse a lot. It's just a very funny. It's very silly. Um, You think it's going to be like there's a chance this movie becomes weird and like fantasy-ish and it doesn't kind of go that direction, which I appreciate. Uh, well, as, as we've learned about Albert overall, he never cuts himself slack. Yes. I just like how that movie kind of ends with him working for his wife in a cookie store. <laughs> like, <laughs> getting screamed at by little children. Yep. Very good. Uh, perfect ending for an Albert Brooks movie. Wonderful movie. So my number five. Yeah. Oh. Uh, is mother is my as i have in my number five spot mother mother tell your son not to move back home <laughs> let your son have a piece of the cheese <laughs> freezer cheese <laughs> mother mother your younger son is even weirder than the older one <laughs> Oh, I, I I think this movie is delightful. We were circling around the parking lot of a grocery store last night, and I missed a couple spots, and Jen immediately referenced 
that scene where they're at the grocery store and he's they're looking for parking and the same thing's going on. <laughs> um, that scene in the grocery store where they're talking about, isn't it funny and wild that this happened? And now her book's like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of my favorite Brooks scenes. The scene where he moves the chair and the table around the room mm-hmm. after he gets divorced. I mean... He just, he's so funny. And one thing I was thinking about too is that his chronology is so good. Like, in like what, what themes he's covering, like it, at what points in his life. It's just so like, mother comes at the perfect time. It's right after defending, right before the muse. And it's just like furthering the, our knowledge of Albert Brooks as a man. It's like, okay, so he's thought about his existential. Now he needs to think about his parents and his mom before he moves on to like his like career not being as hot as it once was and finally having a family and kids and the muse because he never had that before in any of his movies mm-hmm. and i just i i like i like mother a lot i think it's very funny it's very sweet in, a, yeah. in kind of a twisted way um debbie reynolds is one of one of his best co-stars mm-hmm. um Rob Morrow needs to get a shout out as his weird little brother. I love his performance in this and how he like increasingly becomes like invested in the and envious of Albert Brooks. Oh yes. Yeah. Getting <laughs> time with mom. Yep, because he's like he's fine with the cheese. He loves the cheese. He yeah, freezer cheese is amazing to him. <laughs> but uh, they just have so many funny scenes. It's so many just like little moments. It's just it's very it's a as usual he's just his his craftsmanship and his his humor is just better than almost anyone else yeah <laughs> is there anything that like i don't know to me like if you want to explain to someone albert brooks's shtick i think there's nothing no better example of it than that just that introduction scene in mother where or that uh that scene in mother where he's just he's moving the chair yep the the cha- yeah yeah that's, that's like that's yeah, Brooks. The apex of his comedy and like the simplest version of what his, what he does is and to end up in the exact same place at the very end of it. But yeah, it's like a perfect sketch. Just yeah. that one little scene. And he's 100%. so good at he's so good at that. Um yeah, oh, what a great time watching these movies. But uh, what do you got for four? For James L. Brooks. Oh man, this one's going to be a bit of a surprise. Uh, uh, and it's in the vein of your Thursday's game choice. I am choosing for number four. I'm choosing starting over. <laughs> yes. I, I would just like, look, is it a movie with a lot of problems? A hundred percent. Is there uh, something, there's something just about like, it's a weird Burt Reynolds curio. I like Burt Reynolds. Love him. Um, love him. He is so unmiscast in this, but it's also... I think it's just an interesting watch and there's something about I think it's like to me this is almost a little more palatable than as good as it gets just because it's in the past it's like a little further back in time I, I, I agree with you completely on that point <laughs> but, uh, but also um, the weird I love Charles Durning and Burt Reynolds as being as weird brothers that one scene <laughs> where they're in the mattress store, yeah. like you're on the bed, and Bert's having his little conniption is uh, weird and psychedelic. Uh, I like Candace. Uh, 
Her character sucks. It's a bad character, but I like Candace Bergen's performance in it as a weird, bad singer. Like, I yeah. do think she's enjoyable. Um, uh, and I don't know. This would also be like a really fun movie to like watch with a group of friends to goof on, I think. <laughs> uh, the men's support group. With uh, ah. Wallace Shawn and Austin Pendleton, and, among oh others. My God. That's a great, what a weird group of, they found just like whoever was like performing off Broadway that day. It's like, Bert, Bert was like, why don't you cast uh, five trolls with me? Yeah. <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Make me look good. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's your, uh, what's your number four? Um, My number four. Bring up my notes here um i'm gonna call this a controversial number four oh, controversial this is it's gonna blow a lot of damn minds uh my number four get this oh no how do you know is how my number know? four <laughs> how, how do you know, you know? <laughs> i don't know <laughs> phrase it as a question maybe i can answer it better <laughs> next time <laughs> um Nice movie. I don't know. Like yeah. it, 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 it. Again, I mean, its flaws are apparent. Like, you know, introducing the very interesting women's softball storyline, and then kind of just dropping it. The yeah. mystery of Nicholson's business and Paul Rudd's business, and what the hell it was all about. Um, but there are really nice moments, like. You know, I want to give a shout out to our friend Geely survivor Lenny Venito's scene in the hospital. <laughs> that's that's a fun, that's a neat scene, enjoyable yeah. scene. Um, uh, Reese has got chemistry with both Rudd and mm-hmm. Wilson, which is fun. I like. I mean, I mean, how can you not like the four of them? They're all very likable, and they're I, movie stars. I mean, yeah. you enjoy their time with them. I mean, it's a strange movie. It's it feels incredibly indecisive, as we kind of talked about previously. When it comes to the later JLB works, I'd like to. So I did a little bit. Um, there's a wonderful critic uh, writer named um, Peter Avellino, who you might know as if you follow New Beverly on Twitter, he's done some writing for them. And he has a blog called Mr. Peel's Sardine Liqueur. And I just discovered it. He has recently in 2021 written essays about how do you know and starting over. So if you want to get into it, because he's, he's been catching up with them and he's got some, I see his points. He, um, he's smarter than we are. Yes. As most are, but um, he hits a lot of the same points. Mm-hmm. that we do with these two with these two films like kind of picked up on a lot of the same things kind of the strangeness of the storylines yeah he wasn't as impressed with owen wilson oh as you were That's um fair. but he just thought it was kind of superfluous and he brought up an interesting point that we never brought up is that um owen and nicholson live in the same building yet they share no scenes in the movie together Weird, weird, right? It's like a weird, yeah. That is like a funny and uh, just a peculiar. Doesn't feel like it's on purpose. Feels like it's an accident that the like, oh shit, we didn't do any scenes with Owen and Jack. Like, which goes to show kind of those how those storylines are like sandpaper rubbing against each other. Mm -hmm. Like they're separate completely, and they don't really mesh well. There's a. I feel like. 
this movie needed someone with a fine tooth comb to pick over it and just like kind of I think this is like just a point in James L. Brooks's career I could be wrong but I think this was the point where like it's like George Lucas prequel era where it's like he could write anything and everyone was like yeah that sounds good you're a genius so we'll go with it and if it just had like maybe a little more scrutiny uh, yeah it just it feels very directionless um but compared to the kind of just mess that is all do anything the frankly kind of slog of um as good as it gets and then the all-out kind of offensiveness and mean-spiritedness of spanglish (laughs) i'll take out i'll I'll take how do you know (laughs) (laughs) how do you know is at least a pleasant time yeah, oh, 100%. Know, like, it's, there's no one like Porte Leone's character just to make it, like, un, yeah, just unpleasant is the word I'm going to come back to. Um, yeah, just, like, yeah, grim. Yeah, just a bummer. Yeah. Just in general. And, yeah, so there's no one like her, and then there's no uh, impossible redemption by getting with a younger woman who has no business being with me element of as good as it gets. Like nice thing around. How do you know Owen Reese and um, Rudd appropriately fit together? (laughs) Yeah. I think he learned his lesson in that regard. Yeah. yeah, They, they all make, they as romantic partners, they make a lot of sense. That was another thing about matrix resurrections was seeing Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss together. was like, wow, this is a nice pairing. (laughs) <laughs> they, yeah. they, they they seem to like they've got chemistry together they look good together they are appropriate to get like all the yeah. elements that you want in a you know in a film they're but, like yeah uh, and they're both like yeah and exactly yeah it's so it's just it's 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 a night it's nice and yeah it's just i think i'll do anything and it's failure and re-edits and recuts and stuff like that if i'll do anything had worked He's on another planet. If it had worked as a musical and like have brought him back to the Academy Awards oh, and that yeah. kind of thing, I mean, like that level, it would have been. If that had been a success, it would have been. You know, he would have been one of the most unstoppable creators in the history. Of- I mean, he'd be like on par with like Scorsese and Spielberg, like the the like the, the kind of like the people that are can have been canonized. Yeah, and would he have been so confident that these like. You know, his last three movies after that, Good As It Gets, Spanglish, and How Do Any, How Do You Know are all kind of have moments of plotless directionlessness. And also, they're all too long, mm-hmm. uniformly. They're all, like, so long. Like, yeah. <laughs> none of them, like, Spanglish, like, Spanglish being, like, 130 minutes or whatever, it's just like, what? Yeah. They needed and, an editor, man. Yeah, or some sort of just direction. Like what, yeah. what story is it that matters the most here? Mm-hmm. And we're gonna get to a couple movies I know that are both higher up on our list that have multiple stories and multiple plot lines, but um mm. those are magic. <laughs> so I don't know. Like yeah. they're like impossible to define, but at least, 
least how do you know is a pleasant experience. So, <laughs> which maybe does not sound like a glowing review, but that's hard to do in its own right. And he made all of his stars look great. I mean, we talked about it before. Like, I don't know physically if Reese or Owen Wilson ever looked better on screen. <laughs> like, no, that it is like they are like gods walking among us and they're tanned fit <laughs> gods and <laughs> shot to perfection so my number four how do you know who do you got what do you got for the four spot in albert brooks this is when things are going to get interesting i think oh yeah so the oh god all these movies from four to one they're all like so neck and neck to me it's pretty like with the exception of maybe one is like like two necks it's like two hairs compared to a hair but uh number four i gotta do lost in america Oh, well, you know what? We can share because that's in my number four spot as well. Let's share this wow. moment. We can, oh, uh, to quote a better podcast than ours, hand-holding, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we're holding hands. We're holding uh, hands here with the, driving off um, to find America in our yeah. RV together. Oh, man, I'm going to lose all our money in a freaking Vegas casino. But Sorry, I, but... I'm a good negotiator, and I think I can talk <laughs> Gary Marsh into giving it back. <laughs> oh, no, you're directing Pretty Woman 2 now. Is um that the best scene in Albert Brooks? Mm. Wow. The negotiation with Gary Marshall. I, I I don't know if it is, but I was just curious because I think it's got to be top five. It's easily top five, top three. It's definitely the best scene in this movie. It's really good. It's another one of those classic scenes that exemplifies uh, yeah. Brooks's strengths. Uh, I think that, yeah, with Brooks, uh, his best stuff is the stuff that you could just you could cut it from the movie without context and you'd have people guffawing no matter you could, what. You could put it as like the 115 sketch on Saturday Night Live like yeah. next week and it would probably kill. Oh, for real. You could have it open like, you know how like they, um, when I was at the New Bev, they had like a Steve Martin short film where he was playing a silly waiter uh for like the steve martin double feature you could do something like that where like in the new bev like this is like the instead of having like the bugs bunny cartoon you just have this scene with gary marshall it'd be killer it would kill it would kill like the audience would eat it up quick question for you if albert brooks was a looney tunes character which one would he be Mm. uh you know what he's not confident enough to be bugs he has to be daffy i think i agree i was thinking daffy as well yeah yeah bob einstein is a bugs yeah yes <laughs> yeah yeah with a little bit of um like an overconfident bugs who doesn't yeah. win all the time or he might be like a bugs or like a foghorn he might be more of a foghorn leghorn because i feel yeah. like foghorn loses sometimes yeah yeah but yeah, uh, yeah albert's clearly daffy yeah but uh man yeah no but lost in america uh yeah just super fun from beginning to end great he's, film he's just firing on all cylinders yeah, he's I mean, it's like right there, though, and kind of I mean, he's so his filmmaking between his filmmaking, his performance, his comedy, his co-star Julie Haggerty is given so many good moments too. Um, his his is there anyone better at that, like the final like button in a movie that with like a text on the screen? Mm. kind of moment like because this one of course is he begged for his job back got it with less health benefits or something like that (laughs) (laughs) and then even going back to looking for comedy in america same deal yeah you know or looking for comedy in a muslim world yeah i combined the movies 
Hey, we, <laughs> we looked for a comedy in America and we found it, brother. Yeah, we did. Yeah. With, uh, with these two gentlemen. But yeah, I agree with you. It's a tremendous movie. Yeah. Tremendous. Very fun. Uh, and it's, yeah. And it just builds on it's yeah. And it's kind of nice. Interesting to see uh, Albert build on all of his previous works and like, mm-hmm. yeah, take um, what he did in modern romance and then like apply it to a staple relationship and then provide a little more. Uh, you know, give a little more meat to the other person in said relationship. Yeah, and like, what would happen if that guy actually found his equal and married them? That's yeah, a hundred. What a great description, a hundred percent. Yeah, like yeah, like just uh, someone. Because unless the- she's murdered, the gal in um, Modern Romance, I'm forgetting her character name, um, will leave him. Oh, 100%. at some point, because yeah. she's a, she's a relatively sane normal person <laughs> she's a normal human being yeah. yeah mary harvard yeah mary mary yeah. mary <laughs> <laughs> yeah because he's a psychopath <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. Jo- yeah yeah and then of course he's divorced by the time he reaches mother uh, yep be- yeah because no one can be a- you have to be yeah like a rita wilson-esque wine mom to actually spend time with him for <laughs> yeah you have to you have to self-medicate with wine yeah yeah so but yeah lost in america uh super 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 good movie yeah love it um what do you have for your so we'll go back because that was also my 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 number four for albert so we're on number three for jlb Ooh, number three for jlb uh man this is gonna be surprising i think this but... is this is thursday's game I know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thursday's game with the wind. Uh, my Leonard Skinner tribute to <laughs> Thursday's game. <laughs> hey, you know, if Tuesday is gone, we still have Thursday to look forward to. Yeah. That's Thursday's game. <laughs> <laughs> no one understood that better than Ronnie Van Zant. Yeah, I think that was the same lyrics to Friday, I'm in Love by The Cure. They had, they had a Thursday's game is poker. Sweet home Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> gonna walk around with my friend and lie to my wife. Yeah, gonna wear my corduroy. And they say that Leonard Skinner did not appeal to the highfalutin East Coast liter- media set. Yeah, no, everyone forgets. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> Leonard Ronnie Van Zandt's favorite book was uh, was uh, <laughs> according to the world according to Garp. He yeah. was uh, he was one of the he was in Italy. He, well, he went to high school with John Irving. <laughs> yeah, his father so, is Harold Bloom. <laughs> you know, uh, he he and Wally Sean grew up together. Wally Sean's dad, of course, edited the New Yorker, and that gave Ronnie Van Zant the opportunity to write some some pretty compelling pieces in the shouts and mm. murmurs section of the New yeah. Yorker. I loved, uh, man, his, when Ronnie Zant uh, was performing tr- uh, True West with Sam Shepard, mm-hmm. they would switch, they would off, switch. Oh, the original off-Broadway. Yeah, uh, the original. Yeah, version. Just, well, that was crazy. That was crazier than the Bane <laughs> jingle all the way thing. I think. Yeah, erudite Ronnie Van Zandt. I love it. I love this. That's I love this right. world we've made. <laughs> the bitch, uh, sad dead Ronnie yeah. Van Zandt. So, what's your number three? Uh, <laughs> it's uh, how do you know? Oh yeah. How do you know? 
Uh, you know what? It is like it, there. Uh, the more I thought about it, the more I agreed with you, Don. It is like it's a pleasant movie. It is like um, it's definitely like yeah. I would watch this on a plane. I would watch this. Uh, I'd put yeah. this on in the. I background. bet if you saw it on a plane, you'd probably walk out and like, you know what's pretty good. How do you know? Yes, yeah, it's a plane. It's a yeah. it's a good plane movie. Oh, a hundred percent. This it's the spirit of a plane movie. Uh, <laughs> and I do think, and I. And I know I'm probably wrong in this, but like, I think Owen Wilson is like Jenny. I love his character. I think his character is like the one that really has an arc in this movie. And I liked his character slowly becoming an Albert Brooks type person. Like, I like that, like, um, Reese Witherspoon kind of shakes his world in a way that mm-hmm. he's not accustomed to. And it sort of makes him a little like it causes him to feel things he's never felt before, it seems like yeah he's, <laughs> suddenly he's like oh i mean i can i can love someone in a serious in a committed manner what the hell like I, he's just like as an actor he's just a pleasant hang yeah that's the other thing too i like just like when he's in something it's like i'm gonna enjoy this because i like him yeah oh you totally know, we joked about du- you me and dupree but we've both seen and enjoyed you me and dupree oh multiple times you know <laughs> any any drill bit taylor fans in the house <laughs> hey that movie was all right yeah it was perfectly pleasant. It was silly yeah, yeah silly it's like- yeah it's a, like a lot of a lot of owens films and like yeah i'm a fan i'm, I'm just a fan of i'm just a fan uh, yeah. i i like i like seeing him i like you seeing know. him too i think he brings a lot to the table i think it was also kind of nice seeing jack nicholson i think you brought this up too it was kind of pleasant seeing jack nicholson in a role that wasn't like um i mean he's evil in this movie but he's not like melvin evil like yeah, i think I, like they sanded him down a bit i like that like i think that was worth like digging in further for as troubled as he wasn't for as much as he wanted to save his ass and for much of like a wall street douchebag he was he loved Paul Rudd. He yeah. loved his son. He loved Rudd. In a history of Academy Academy bad dads, like he legitimately does love his son. <laughs> like oh, yeah. I like that part at the end where Rudd comes out for his big romantic comedy moment to win Reese's heart and they cut to Nicholson in the balcony, kind of like, like accepting his fate because his son found happiness. And I think that that's like a, that is a lovely sentiment. Yeah. And, I think in like a more um, again direction-filled movie, that would be a, like an Oscar-y kind of moment. Yeah, honestly, if they had like, God, it is one of those things where like, if they had like a draw, a cut around the there, there's like it's like this movie is a piece of like it's like a half-finished sculpture, and if they have just chiseled off some more marble, yeah, uh, I'm not saying like, it would be, yeah. There's like five cool movies. Yeah. In this one kind of big, one messy movie. Yeah. (laughs) Make it about softball or make it about business intrigue. Or make it about retiring athletes or make it about Owen Wilson as a cad who realizes he has a heart. Yeah. Or like, or just about, yeah, like, who's your, if Re, and I think it's like, I like it best with Reese as the main character. So, I mean, I'm pro the softball player finding a new life beyond what they were passionate about, but also that she doesn't need a man because that's the opening of the movie where she gets pushed by that boy when she shows yeah. him she's better. Like that's, that is, and it's like, forgotten like, and it's like a neat opening and it's like straight out of broadcast. That's news. what I was thinking too. It's <laughs> like you, 
like honestly if he had just like taken broadcast news and like mapped if he had like mapped broadcast news onto this it almost could have been a perfect movie you'd rather see him repeat himself in that vein yeah it was like well it worked yeah and it's like broadcast news i mean and at the very least it'd be like a different setting so not everything would match like you'd still be able to find your own unique quirks in the world of like softball or like high stakes corporate whatever like at the corporate factory yeah where they they're making uh corporate <laughs> yeah just a little more direction and a little more detail within the worlds that he choose for the direction but again five like he had five good ideas yeah within this which makes it kind of a pleasant movie and cast it well because all these people are enjoyable hangs and it looks great, and they spent a billion bucks on it. Yeah, they spent like a billion bucks to film it. It's fun. It's so funny that they filmed in like Washington D.C. and we're so like this. And, and it, it looks like a back lot. It's weird. <laughs> it looks like the parade town in Minneapolis. It is. It is like you expect fucking Booster to walk out and for yeah. a bunch of kids to maul him. <laughs> and one thing uh, Owen and Paul can agree on, despite their romantic rivalry, is they're going to beat the shit out of Booster. Yeah, <laughs> we got to beat the shit out of Booster, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I. I think I'm going to revisit How Do You Know way more times than um, in my life than um, <sighs> I'll Do Anything or um, even probably as good as it gets. I, I know we talked about on the Spanglish episode, I am probably in 10 years going to talk myself into thinking Spanglish is good. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll watch it again and be, <laughs> to be, be upset about it. <laughs> That's like the problem with doing this podcast is it is because now at this point, I think Jack and Jill was robbed of the palm d'or. I'm like at this point. <laughs> I would legitimately watch Geely again, which is scary. Like, <laughs> this podcast is, is podcasting is bad for you. <laughs> especially when you're doing it like that, like a lot of these movie ones are, where it's like, you know, you're re-watching these things and like analyzing them so much. You're like trying to talk yourself into it. And like we've made a point. We don't like the idea of being one of these ones that just like rips into these movies oh, too easy. i don't think it, it's too easy it's like low-hanging fruit like i think trying to find like positives and trying to find reasoning behind these movies when they're a mess is far more interesting than just saying that they're a mess and they suck and you know 100 percent. so on that note i'm gonna move on number three it's already mm. been discussed my number three is starting over Ooh, um ooh, baby imperfect but i think you're right like there are fun moments. Mm-hmm. The cast rocks. And I think this is, a people, this is a larger issue in the movie community that I think has been called out on film Twitter before. <laughs> is the hypnotic lure of the 1970s. Yeah. And how you're willing to give things a little bit more leeway because... 1970s footage and 1970s performers and 1970s rhythms of movies are good (laughs) like they're just enjoyable and you're like well you know it's not it doesn't work the ending stinks but Bert (laughs) Jill Klaber and 70s Boston Celtics footage and um, yeah Charles Charles Durning Durning and Austin Pendleton and Uh. young Wally Shawn and Candace Bergen and you're like and Alan Pakula directing it, and Sven Nickvist uh, shot it, Bergman's guy. Yeah. And it's just like, you have such goodwill to all of, and then like 70s footage of Boston. Although there is that part where they drive off the road and Burt Reynolds gets abusive. <laughs> like, 
going to the negative side. I'm like, that sucked. Yeah, that's like, no, he is like, that's the thing. It's like, he is like, he's bad. He's bad in it. And like, you can't, uh, but the thing is too, it's, there's, uh, you know. I think, do you think that if Bert had had his mustache, he would have gotten away with a lot more? If he, had, if he had his mustache and like winked a little more. <laughs> yeah, and he laughed a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, honestly, if he had like been more like, yeah, like, you know, Diamond Diamond Joe Bert or whatever. I don't know. Like, more more the bandit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? A little more bandit energy. I, I would appreciate that because then you could like kind of go into that with Charles Durning too. He has that in him. Yeah, like a little more Gator McCluskey, a little less Ted Kramer yeah. energy. Yeah. <laughs> And I know, obviously, Bert was trying for a little bit more of a serious mm-hmm. I'm an actor performance in this. That's a hard thing when you're Bert, because it's like you love him as this shit-kicking charmer. Yeah. And this goes, I was just reading too about it that um, so he did starting over with James L. Brooks. James L. Brooks really liked the experience of it and wrote Garrett Breedlove with Bert in mind, offered it to him. Wow. And Bert turned it down to do, I think it was either Hooper or Stroker Ace. And he, and Bert was like, it was a massive mistake. <sighs> and it really like that review I read, I just mentioned that I recommended of uh, starting over from Peter Avellino. He he's like, is it the worst mistake in Hollywood history? They're turning down a part. I mean, it's got to be up there. It would have changed Bert's entire trajectory. I, you know, the only ones I can think of that are comparable is maybe like Will Smith for The Matrix. Well, yeah. That's and, the, only- the Matrix. I mean, and, you know, Travolta used to turn down everything. Wow. As well. Like, obviously like all these guys can look back if you're a big star you get offered and i always heard this story that recently it's like every single male lead script goes to leonardo dicaprio Mm -hmm. because he's number one of like of the you know he's the number one guy right and then if he says no you know if it's like a hard part you go to joaquin phoenix and if it's like a leading man part, you go to Brad Pitt. And if then if they say no, then it kind of trickles down further. <laughs> That's fascinating. I did not know about this. But if you think about it, that that yeah. is kind of the hierarchy. Yeah, it a, is like way. yeah, uh, yeah. You know, maybe like yeah, like I guess like it's like Joaquin, and then I guess there's probably like a level with like Christian. Then the next Bale, level yeah. is like Christian Bale and Bradley Cooper and like those guys. Yeah, and then and yeah. then. And then again, but it's like, that's the same thing. If it's like, if it's a serious actor part, you don't get Joaquin, you go to Bale. Mm -hmm. If you don't get Pitt, you go to Cooper. Mm. And then if you go, you need to go younger. It's probably like Hall and Gosling. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like, but I mean, obviously there, this isn't an exact science, but it's kind of just the general idea that the top of the pyramid is DiCaprio. So DiCaprio was turned down like, by all accounts, DiCaprio was offered when he took the McKay role. Mm-hmm. He was also offered the Cooper role in both 
Nightmare Alley and Flickerish Pizza and whatever Alejandro Gonzalez and Aritu is up next. He was offered that as well. <laughs> so it's like, it's wealth. It's an absolute wealth for these guys. So they're going, they're like, DiCaprio chose Titanic over Boogie Nights. Wow. That's interesting. I mean, and that would have changed cinema. Yeah. If he had done that. God, don't you want to just like walk because into he that probably ultimate? never would have been the number one guy. No, if he hadn't done Titanic, but he would have fast tracked his way into like working with the auteurs. If yeah, done prestige. Boogie Nights. Yeah, he yeah. would have gone. Yeah, like, but would if he had not done Titanic, would he have not gotten gangs? Would he have gotten gangs in New York from Boogie Nights? Or maybe he's like doing bringing out the dead, or so he works with them earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a weirder part, like in like the like I, who would a say, smaller like, part. Yeah, a smaller part in that movie or something like that. Like all these things happen, but for poor Bert, like it's he so was kind, it kind of like it so like continued a downward trajectory. Whereas if he had done terms, it probably would have like taken him to the, you know, gotten him that serious respect yeah Bert would be there's an alternate reality where Bert is the is the joker yeah and the <laughs> jack takes it and it just kind of re-solidifies jack as being jack jack yeah you well, know and he gets and, well, another and he gets another academy award yeah well and then and it breathes another 20 years into his career like yeah yeah and it sets him up as like Hey, this middle-aged codger can also be a bit of a flirt and a wild yeah, man. Yeah, the love this lovable wild man cad who yeah. was like, you know, dangerous in this way when he was 30, but now he's like 40, 50. He's kind of like fun and you don't take him yeah. as serious. He's just kind of like, you know, man, old dog. Uh, old dog needs to learn new tricks kind of vibe or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's a little more, yeah, because it like he's not as dangerous, but he's like still charming and fun and you know. Yeah flirty and all that kind of thing but you know starting over is imperfect but if you but again like the 70s charm takes it over the top for me then i think totally fair you feel kind of the same way about that one yeah 100 percent. i do too it's like yeah it's like uh dude and if i was put in a room and it was a it had to choose between i'll do anything and starting over starting over with a bullet oh i think nine times out of ten yeah, hundred percent. As much as I respect the odd, uh, it's funny. Like the more I think about, it, I'll do anything. The more like I do, kind of respect uh, the audacity of it. And like at least he was trying. Like I'd rather have someone fail spectac- spectacularly in an "I'll do anything" fashion than just you know create more of the same uh, gray goo mishigas that we're seeing in theaters nowadays. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish he had finished the musical version and just sucked it up, taking the take it, taking the L in that way, because at least we'd have the weirdest musical of the 1990s. Yeah, in probably. our hands, and we'd probably all like be desperate, like, "Whoa, that's weird!" Like it would, like the the level of curio would go up to the roof. I mean, totally. it would have been a disaster probably on the Gili level. Yes, if they had released it as a musical, it would have become a real like. Billy Crystal would have been telling jokes about it when he was hosting the Oscars. Um, instead, it's just kind of a forgotten failure, which yeah. probably is more palatable to James L. Brooks than Honestly. being a butt of a joke. Because nobody knows and nobody remembers all do anything. People would like watch if it, the musical version had been released. People would be watching it as like a midnight movie that they 
told jokes about. Oh, a hundred percent. It'd be like the room. There'd be like inside <sighs> jokes and stuff. Yeah, it could have been a career ender. Yeah. I mean, Geely esque Martin Brest career ender. A Brian Levant situation. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, where it's just so it's mocked. You, you know, and, it's hard and, to come back from. And it's like, is it better to be forgotten with a mediocrity than, you know, yeah, an but, insane thing than, but, you know, yeah. But, yeah, but hey, at least, you know what, if you swing, uh, sometimes you swing and you miss. And hey, I like a good swing. So, yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, on uh, what do you got for number three for Albert Brooks? Ooh, man, a movie that uh, we, it was one of the first movies we watched. I think it was the first movie we watched, Real Life. Oh, excellent. I love real life. This movie uh, is like, yeah, first Albert Brooks's first feature um, was totally not expecting. Didn't really know much about this movie going in, was not expecting kind of like a mockumentary that uh, kind of predicted where uh, TV would go. Like by the time <laughs> we were watching it, you know what I mean? Like the, 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 the reality TV uh, stuff that he kind of, Projects here is uh, incredible. Um, uh, has one of the all-time great Charles Grodin performances. Uh, very funny. Uh, Albert Brooks uh, trying to find just like the the classic American family and just slowly kind of his presence kind of being a radiation that ruins their lives. <laughs> Dressed as a clown lighting their house on fire. Mm. I mean, magic. Yeah, that's when you know like a guy has like gold like when he when he has like and he's like willing to go these insane and he's like and he while well, he's like muttering under his breath while he's doing it oh this is gonna look great i think i might get yeah <laughs> it's just like he's so good at like to get into like the ucb improv kind of stuff game and heightening and yes. staying on those things and doing like natural progressions in the hiding never going to crazy town Mm-hmm. too early but always getting too crazy town oh totally and having it having it feel earned having it be mm-hmm. focused too like he's very good at like sticking to uh just the game the game of the scene the one specific thing not losing track of himself uh yeah no just a really fun film uh, uh that uh yeah that is yeah. like uh i think it's kind of been forgotten too so give it a watch yeah it's probably his least talked about classic mm-hmm. i would say we should shout out uh, his Monica Johnson, his co-writer, since we're closing things out here, because all that comedy is coming from her. Oh, yeah. Oh, I I wanted to shout her out. And then uh, also the cinematography for his first few films, Eric Sarnin, Uh, because his first few films look incredible, like Modern Romance, Lost in America, and... uh, real life they all have a very unique specific look and, and it definitely improves with modern romance and lost in america but the there are just like tracking shots in these features that tracking uh, shots like the, the color just even the color mm-hmm. in his like very like meticulous setups everything is very specific I agree with you completely it's beautiful yeah. I think they're beautiful looking movies and it's like which is so rare to say about a comedy yeah usually, yeah. They, usually they look like how do you know my number three, another curveball. Oh, curveball. Nicholas winning Reffin's Drive is my number three. What the heck? Ah! <laughs> yeah, I totally out of sight. Oh, another yeah. Albert Brooks movie. Yeah. Um, I love Drive. 
I could oh, drive rolls. Yeah. Um, so satisfying. Such a fun watch. He's awesome in it. Folks, put him in a Marvel movie as one of the bad guys. Make him, yes. I don't know, gem. Yeah, make, <laughs> him, make him evil Groot. I would love Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I could get all these uh, gems. <laughs> no, you'll be like, you'll be thinking about the snap of my fingers for the rest of your life. <laughs> I, I, yeah, he's like, he's so good. He's so menacing. Mm-hmm. He's an amazingly strange, perfect foil for Ryan Gosling's like mute sociopath. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a neat movie. I can't believe I still like it as much as I do. To yeah. be honest, but yeah, it's just it's a it's a hell of a time, and you know, obviously, it's a little little bit of a push whether it counts in this conversation. Oh, but, it's fine. We're allow- we're allowing airbed rules. We allow it. Yeah, we allow it, and um, it's 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 just, and this might prove what people what get suggested as you get older that you kind of get locked in time in terms of taste and what you think is cool. Like, and I definitely 2005 to 2011 seems to be my idea of like, whatever was cool, whatever I found cool, then I was like, yeah, it's still pretty hip stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, did you hear the this Grizzly Bear album? You know, that's kind of my taste in wheelhouse mm-hmm. and drive fits right in there. I mean, the look, the tone, the soundtrack. I still like when I was watching, I was like, I like all this stuff still. I think all this stuff is incredibly neat and cool yeah i think it's aesthetically and in terms of vibes as a package uh i think it's pretty unparalleled i think there i can't think of any uh movies that have been released since drive that have been able to match just the sheer like the just the uh the tone how um the the visuals the audio auditory like the, the music everything just kind of works together the set design uh, but you love just being taken away to that kind of universe i mean again going back to like the original matrix it's like every element of that has that quality too where it's like oh all of this has been considered yeah. all of this is a unique like vision like even in going back to the like early man films like manhunter feels that way and like and again like it does connect back to the albert brooks stuff too because like the tightly composed we're gonna get in and out of here in 100 minutes tell this very specific story within this very specific universe these are the rules to this universe it's all clear mm-hmm. and boy like even when they go longer though i was thinking about dune dune has qualities like that too where it's everything so meticulous so thought out and you know you think about that with all the best movies like of the of this year like whether it's the card counter or licorice pizza or french dispatch or something these are filmmakers with complete control of tone mm-hmm. and vibes yes. in addition to their story in addition to in most cases pretty good storytelling yeah i think that's like yeah and i think that's uh i think that's important and i think people need to like yeah not like uh yeah, I think it's just something that people need to factor when they into their film viewing experience when they're watching something is like, am I getting like a full package? I do feel like so many films nowadays are unfortunately made in a way where um, 
you know, it's like they have a good script, but they're not really like, you know, maybe they're not like paying attention to like, just like paying attention to detail is so important. There's detail, but there's also just like this, like, isn't there a real joy to like giving in to one weirdo's complete vision of yeah. like the story in this universe and that kind of thing? Like, I don't want to be like I don't want to be catered to I guess it gets back to the Spider-Man thing you're talking about with all the clapping and stuff oh, like that God. I want to be challenged I want to be sent into a place where it's like oh this is interesting I'm kind of like feeling around in the dark here what is the mm-hmm. what are they trying to do but I have faith in them because they've got a track record and it's like let's see what they have let's see what you know let's see what Quentin Tarantino's up to this time around let's see what Paul Schrader's up to this time around let's see what Sofia Coppola's up to this time around you know I want to be transported into their vision of the entire world because i know that they've thought about every bit of it yeah and i don't want uh and i don't want them to think about it in the context of okay what will make my fans happy what will make my i want it yeah. to be like i think there's a difference between like making great art or trying to strive to make something like powerful and interesting and then like just kind of giving people what they want. And don't get me wrong, sometimes I like getting like I, I go to fucking McDonald's. Like I go I yeah. Get, yeah, like and there's like there's things I'll uh I like I like things that I want, but <laughs> it's also like I kind of want like more I don't want to be a fucking when when I was watching Spider-Man, never had I felt more like a fucking uh piece of data in a motherfucker's like hard drive where it's like okay based on like how much uh people that uh, subscribe to disney plus have watched these movies we know that this scene right here will cause people to clap at this moment like it truly felt like that level of like uh like they felt like the love was taken out of everything yeah and i think like there's been a couple of films this year where like licorice pizza one of them but the big one i'd say is that french movie titan mm. where like every single scene you're like jesus what is going to happen next yeah. i have zero concept and like i am just in the hands of someone who's like i mean talk about a ride you're like i don't know i just don't know how this is gonna conclude i don't know where this is gonna go i don't know who we're gonna meet next isn't that cool it's very cool <laughs> especially when it's not like fiddled with or like yeah like it's it's great that like Teton didn't have a moment. Mo- I, mean, I haven't watched it, so I you know maybe I'm wrong, but there wasn't like a moment where like you know the professional from like fucking Luke Besson's movie came out and everyone like got on their out of their seats and clapped. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't a moment where well, like uh, I saw some lunatic online was talking about the new Robert Eggers movie, The Northman. They're like, well, since Anya Taylor Joy and ralph inson were in the witch and they're both in the northman does that mean the witch and the northman take place in the same universe it's like no let it fucking be yeah, they're singular things one is a groovy movie about witches in like early america the other is about fucking vikings both cool let it be yeah, <laughs> directors can like actors and use them in different ways <laughs> What am I? I'm gonna run into that fucking. My head's gonna track. explode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever. Isn't yeah. that neat? Yeah. They're just like these like one-off stories, and like that's the thing about the Albert Brooks movies. None of them take place in the same world, but because it's this creator, their through line is through their idiosyncrasies and watching them grow as a human on the outside. 
mm-hmm. of these stories. It's not just a fuck. Not everything is a fucking serialized comic book. Yeah. Anyway, not, yeah, this is you're sad. number two, James Elbrooks. Yeah, does, <laughs> does that guy think that like Jack Nicholson's character in the last detail grows up to be the Joker? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, not everything has to let be it, that way. Let yeah, it be. Let it be. It's, it's freaking neat. It's freaking neat when yeah. a story ends. Like, I don't need to see where Michael Clayton went after that taxi cab. No, I don't need to. Yeah, Clayton to Clayton doesn't have to happen. We're good. Clayton, more Clayton. More Clayton. Clayton y. Er. <laughs> the Claytoning. Uh. Like, it's going to be, but it's going to be another one. Like, well, can you believe the same shit's happening to me a second time? <laughs> yeah, different firm. What the hell? Different uh, firm, different corporate entry, different car bomb. <laughs> more bombs uh, more more bombs than michael clayton too more <laughs> horses and more bombs <laughs> well this is the one well michael clayton too is the one where he goes to the company and attacks them it's like kind of like yeah. Rambo, first blood or whatever or not well, first blood, was, the um, second one. i remember second the one. um born ultimatum born comes home clayton <laughs> comes home <laughs> yeah there's like a, a really tense uh, uh, action scene in morocco and michael clayton <laughs> <laughs> like a big like chase that costs like 25 million dollars to pull off yeah i don't know if paul greengrass was the right director for this but okay it's a real different take on michael clayton uh okay my number two enough chicanery number two. enough chicanery and i think we could almost jump the gun here yeah with our one and two for james l brooks oh it's pretty <laughs> if I, yeah. I have a feeling they match up completely yeah, uh, but you go ahead. <laughs> yep. Uh, number two, gotta be my boy. Terms of endearment. Except my number two as well. <laughs> yeah, and look, uh, I love this movie. It's really, it was like such a never seen it before. Uh, you know, I kind of, you know, it was always in the air. You know, it's one of those movies that you know. I think my mom likes this movie. Uh, my family likes it, but I've never, we never like sat down and watched it together. Uh. It's also like a big Houston movie. It's kind of crazy. I love like because there it's, there are like a weird amount of movies that do feature Houston. Like Crazy Heart features Houston and uh, Reality Bites. Uh, there's like a couple that are Paris, Texas. That's another one. Uh, but uh, but there's like a but it's always fun to see like your hometown like in a feature. Uh, but uh, I think that there's like an intrigue to. I mean, I think Seattle actually is comparable in a sense of not like. So we've seen New York, we've seen LA. Yes. We've seen San Francisco a lot. Mm-hmm. But like these other big cities across the country that just aren't as, um, you know, like I think I think they're in Houston and Local Hero as well. Have you seen Local Hero? No, I haven't. You'd love it. We should cover Local Hero for the show. It's such, such a good movie. You'd, you'd absolutely love it. But um, yeah, it, perfect Academy Academy movie too. But it, yeah, it is like when you see like those kind of towns, like they're big cities. Don't get me wrong, but it's like this idea of like, oh, these just seem a little unique and a yeah. little different. They're not San Francisco or anything like that. They have their own thing. Exactly. Yeah. There's like, especially, yeah. Or even like, yeah, like St. Louis or Milwaukee. Like, I like that Br- uh, Bridesmaids is filmed in Milwaukee for some reason. That's great. Yeah. It's kind of, or even Jingle All the Way. Yeah. Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Yeah. And the, it's like, weird yeah. that it takes place there of all places. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like... Mall of America is fun. All the Mall of America stuff is fun yeah <laughs> uh but uh yeah like um I, and i think what kind of pushes this movie over the top for me too is that you got the larry mcmurtry script 
And so he like really understands this world really well. And James L. Brooks kind of translated it perfectly and captured what makes Larry McMurtry great as an author. These like really interesting, uh, flawed, but not irredeemable characters uh, that go through multiple changes in their lives. Um, Deborah Winger gives like, it's such a unique brassy brazen performance there's not a lot of performers that kind of i feel like a lot of people probably try to capture like the fire that winger has in her role and like she doesn't fight for tears in the third act no like that's like she's defiant which is and and then accepting but defiant then accepting and it's you don't see that oh yeah and then there's also just like man there's just stuff that like like that when Breedlove and Shirley MacLaine are just like driving in circles in the beach, no one's filming something like that anymore. That's such a beautiful, crazy, insane moment. You got Jack Nicholson driving with his fucking feet. Like, it's so... Well, I think that's what Brooks... That's why it's so hard with his later movies. There's a messiness to this mm-hmm. movie, but it all works. Yes. Whereas he's like, there's a messiness to the other ones and it feels a little too messy yes like it's like impossible to like land to land that well i too think often. Like, there's a messiness to these features but he's like his godsend is that the characters are so well defined and written he's and got they, he's got great soul all yeah. of his movie you know with the exception of leone yeah everyone he really believes in like the multiple sides of people the dark side and the light side and their goods the good choices they make the bad choices they make Mm -hmm. and kind of how beautiful it all is in the kind of in he really likes the in-between moments Mm -hmm. if that makes sense like not like but i think the reason why and the other ones don't have it this has this ending the other ones don't have this it's like meandering hanging out getting to know all these people but then like this is kind of a movie thing is big thing comes into play like a big monumental movie type plot kind yes. of thing and but i mean the way he balances those last scenes the goodbye scenes mm-hmm. it's just one thing after another and then inserting nicholson to return to that hotel yeah it's and he, like just well, when you need, need when she needs him the most, and we as an audience need him the most <laughs> to come back in and like show his heart and sensitivity. Man. Yeah, and then it's the, a lovely it, movie. Oh, and it's also and the even like Jeff Daniels's character, mm-hmm. like the proto flap, this guy who in any other movie they show like you know in any other movie his character would be kind of gone halfway through the film after you find out he's been cheating and And he's a pure villain yeah he'd be a pure villain in any other movie but the fact that he does like stick around and he kind of tries to maybe he you know he he knows he can't really patch things up but in spite of that he's he's like holding back tears at the funeral at the wake yeah at the end of it and he knows like oh he's so full of regret and yeah. like remorse for like at the end of it that it's, it's you can't help but sympathize with him 
Which yep. you shouldn't sympathize with them. No, but you can't. It's just a great. Well, and he also knows that he's going to lose his kids, too. It's yeah. And he knows he's weak. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's see, that's why he works as a character is he knows his foibles and he knows he's weak and he knows he's not enough. Yeah. And it's, it's truly, so good. And it's truly so tragic. Yeah. That is, yeah. Uh, man. What a good. And movie. Nicholson taken over as like a surrogate dad. Yeah. Son. And it's just. There, it just goes to show that when I think we've learned it on this James L. Brooks portion, sticking the landing on like, so it's like everyone talks about these like high concept movies, like even the Matrix or a Spider-Man movie. It's like how hard it must be to like come up with these big set piece and plot points and everything like that. Mm-hmm. These nuanced human stories are so fucking difficult to pull off without being overly sentimental or mean-spirited in their humor or we've seen it all over the course of this podcast on kind of the ups and downs on like how to pull it off so you see a movie like this you're like wow that's special and needs to be celebrated because it's hard to do and i think we could say the same thing for i mean you can take a guess what our number one is yeah (laughs) but uh we'll get there in a moment but yeah i'm just a wonderful movie Right. Yeah. Great. Great film. Uh, I'm gonna watch it again sometime next year. It's a good. It's a great. Uh, yeah. And it's just it it kind of earned all the accolades it received. It's a great adult movie. Yeah. Yeah. And not adult in the porno kind of way. You yeah. Get your head into the gutter. Yeah. You, <laughs> think, you guys want to see John Lithgow's Donger? Find another film, sir. Yeah. It's yeah. out there somewhere. <laughs> I don't. Somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. Um, I don't know. Like maybe Blowout or something. Yeah. But you, you <laughs> guessed that Brian De Palma would be the one to make him do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Lithgow, Santa. you're Lithgow. You're hanging dong in this movie. <laughs> Santa Claus, the movie. He has an epic nude scene in that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what do you what this is this is gonna be interesting though what do you have for um what do you got for number two for albert brooks Ooh, this was a tough one but i gotta go gotta go with my gut uh i gotta go number two uh and this is i think this might be his funniest movie it's uh, i don't know if it's his best it's close it could be his best movie but i definitely think it's his fun it's funniest movie number two is modern romance so I think we are. Um, there's no more drama. Oh no! For the rest of this countdown, <laughs> I, think we're the, yeah. I believe we are in the exact same spots the rest of the way through. That's uh, totally my number two is also Modern Romance. I agree completely. It might not be his best. It's his funniest movie, though. Oh, by far, yeah. It's so it's so funny. It's so good. Um, Maybe the greatest cringe comedy, yeah, movie ever made. Uh, definitely like you want to make a movie about a ludicrous maniac this is the movie you need to take pointers from it uh, takes he, everything to its logical end point which is madness yeah and horror possibly a murder like <laughs> uh, i love my records i got great records <laughs> <laughs> yeah quaaludes have never looked so depressing ever he made quaaludes look so like it just dispels any of the 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 potential love I had we, for Quaaludes made from so, the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> so drugs don't make you cool. If you are cool, perhaps it will make you cooler. Yeah. 
But if you are not a cool guy, this is why I've never done psychedelics, Patrick, because I don't feel I'm a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah, totally. That's why I don't do like, yeah, I've never yeah, done coke at a party or something. Oh, like, it's yeah. like, I am a guaranteed bad trip. Oh, guaranteed I'm a nightmare. I'm a nightmare. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, there's way too much neuroses in the mix. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> already I, no, at the surface I, level. Like weed is too bad. I, I get unbearable with that. That's an, that's enough to make me bad. Uh and and just like scary. Or not scary, but like, you know, just like ah, like paranoid. Maybe maybe that's a lesson because we are so attracted to the Brooks boys because we are Brooks boys ourselves. Yeah, we have Brooks brain. We both suffer from Brooks brain. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Everything that was hilarious and insane about the lewd scene in uh, Wolf of Wall Street is made mundane <laughs> and lame. By oh, Robert. so lame. So lame. Yeah. Oh, God, I would kill for there to be a scene in Wolf of Wall Street where it's just like. I'm wondering if they should go back to work or not. <laughs> yeah. Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio just like laboriously trying to get a, like, a record to start. He loves his like Jackson Brown album or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, huge fan of John Cougar Mellencamp. Yeah, it's like his taste is very, very down the line. You know, mid-period Eagles stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, Tequila Sunrise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this is the man who uh, died in a car accident trying to reach for a Barbra Streisand CD. So, <laughs> uh, it is true. That is true. Oh my god, it's so funny. Yep, every scene is funny. Mm-hmm. Every scene, yeah, it's just insane. It's an a it's a you know whether it's the Bob Einstein yeah sporting goods store scene. My favorite scene is um, the date with Ellen. Oh, it's very good. <laughs> I like I like I love that. See, I love when uh, I love when uh, Albert Brooks is at that party and he meets Meadowlark Lemon and is yeah. immediately like, oh no, this guy's cooler than me. I might be in trouble. <laughs> The scene with James L. Brooks trying to re-edit his movie and being just as neurotic as everybody else. Oh, God, yes. Uh, the like... great the great Bruno Kirby being patient. Oh, I love Bruno Kirby <laughs> yeah, in this movie. What a great... Too. Yeah, he is so patient and, like, he never, like, freaks out. Like, See, that's the thing. A weaker movie, Bruno yeah. Kirby would freak out. Albert Brooks gets it. He's like, you know, people aren't always... People don't respond like that in real life when people are lunatics. <laughs> yeah, they just try and like grin and bear it for most in most yeah, cases. Yeah, honestly, that's how I can't tell you how many times I've you know driven lift and the guy behind me is like just a fucking sociopath, psychopath. Like, oh, this dude could. And I'm just like, yeah, that sounds great, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Or, Thirty more minutes. Worst, worst case scenario, it's the sound guys in the sound edit scene. The yes, which is. That's actually one of the funniest scenes. Of the uh, that movie's where they're too. running around trying to get the right foot. I love that they're making this insane, like, you know, probably shot in Italy. Uh, you it was know, like a Roger Corman movie. Yeah, with George <laughs> Kennedy. Uh, George Kennedy. So good as the weird star of this. Uh, <laughs> a veiled version of himself. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's so funny. Uh, I mean, it's one of the funniest movies. You, I mean, we said it before. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick. It's like one of his favorite movies. He thought it was one of the funniest movies around. Oh, it's so funny. I think it's really, I think it's like, I think it's the funniest Albert Brooks movie. I do think Did that. You, and, it, and it might be my, one of my favorite movies of the year. So I heard a follow-up on the Christopher Nolan McGruber connection. Oh, I got interesting. Further, that I read further that, I guess, they invited him because he's notoriously a gigantic McGruber fan. Oh. And he thinks it's one of the funniest 
things around and they the lonely island guys apparently came up to him at a dj event and pitched the idea that the in the end credits it would open with written and directed by christopher nolan (laughs) (laughs) and he thought that was very funny but he had to go ask his wife about it if that was okay Um, (laughs) so they invited him to the table read and he couldn't make it to the table read for the TV show, but he sent a letter to them that ended with the world is waiting and the world is watching. We are prepared for more MacGruber. <laughs> or something like that. What a fucking weird life Will Forte has lived. What a great, what a great, what a great, what a, to get that for your insane, you know, action film that I think they wrote and like directed in like a week or something. So crazy. it's like a stupid one-off idea for Saturday Night Live has become this insane. Like every review is basically for the TV show, and I've watched it and I give it my full thumbs up as well. I don't. I think you watched it too. I only watched the first episode, so I need to no spoilers, please. It's, but it's it's good. It is very funny, but if you're not on board. It's probably not very funny to you. Like if That's you weren't fair. already in the mix. If you're gonna make Gruber head. I did watch it with my sister and she was kind of like, I don't know if this is for me. And I'm like, oh, you know no. what? That's fine. It's <laughs> laughing my ass off all the way. I mean, he's just so funny. Oh man. And the shit with Brian Phillippe's like turns out a brilliant straight man. He's great. Yeah. And like just also casting Billy Zane. Billy just, Zane, did did you see yeah. the part where Kristen Wiig sings a song in the nightclub. Is that in the first episode? Yes, yeah. That was the funniest part of the first episode. It rules. Also, that Lawrence Philburn fish, uh, Philburn. Lawrence Fishburne is cucking. (laughs) And everyone is playing it completely straight. Like, Lawrence Fishburne is in. Like, he's he's some of the... Anyway, Kubrick loved modern romance, too. Serious directors like comedy. Yeah! They might not make it, but they like it. I heard Terrence Malick's a huge Zoolander fan. Yeah, uh, Ingmar Bergman, huge fan of Space Jam. Yeah, <laughs> loved the the loved the loved Lola Rabbit. Well, Ingmar Bergman was a big fan of Charles Bronson, not comedy, but a strange, strange thing nonetheless. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that is like not uh, very Charles. God, I would if I could all go back your, in time. All of your movies are about sickness and death. That was apparently why he turned it, turned Bergman down. It's like, wait, he could have worked with Bergman. Yeah, Bergman wanted him in, so he's like, all of his movies are about sickness and death. <laughs> like, was he like, wait, was he like Elliot Gould's character in The Touch or something? I don't or? know. Like, but apparently Bergman saw Elliot Gould's college campus um, comedy, revolutionary comedy, getting straight. And that was what he liked Elliot Gould in. Getting oh, Strikes Cool. It's a good movie. But um, yeah, I don't know. But I guess he visited Bronson on set of one of Bronson's movies and was like really interested in all like how they pulled off all the stunts and like that kind of shit. Interesting. Yeah. Bergman. He's, he's the best. Okay, he's um, a king. He's a king. Yeah. Controversy, controversy on the Academy Academy. Ingmar yeah. Bergman is a good director. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, Modern Romance, you know, full full Academy Academy approval on that one. So um, let's go to number one on JLB. Um, you know, I think anyone here can do the math and we're, it's Spanglish yeah. for both of us. It's a huge... Uh, <laughs> we're, that's, that's the ultimate Academy Academy score. If we liked it... <laughs> Nah, number one's the Simpsons movie. Yeah. Oh, Bart. Oh, Bart. Love you, know, you Bart. You can't get away from that. No, um, 
I think the bigger question is, is your number one overall if you had to rank them all together? Oh, good point. Um, you know what? In the past, it would be, I think, after thinking about this for quite a bit of time, I may be, I think the other number one might have edged it finally, which is like crazy to me. But I think, yeah, I don't know. Although this movie... This is like a perfect movie to me. This is what I would call a perfect film. Like it has everything and it does everything perfectly. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You can go ahead and say broadcast it. news. Yeah, of course. Of yes, course. not Spanglish, you fools. Yeah, you did. You idiots. <laughs> you, you pieces of shit that listen to us go to hell. No, <laughs> my favorite. MacGruber says piece of shit funnier than anyone. Oh, yeah. He was you all a big piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> He has like a weird, like it's almost like a sw- southern twang, but it's not. I love, I love Will yeah. Forte's accent. It's great. Yeah, he's the best. Um, but yeah, broadcast news. Ah, it's um, so good. Masterpiece. Yep. Just I uh, mean, three, three incredible performances, uh, with three st- uh, storylines and like plots that uh kind of like get uh. Each each had a satisfying conclusion, which is it's this is like James L. Brooks, like, you know, having a bunch of plates spinning in on like, you know, sticks or whatever in his hands. And he manages to pull it off without dropping a single plate. It's nuts. This is why we have faith in him in all those other movies is that he did it in this yeah. movie. Like he did it so well. You're right. All the stories, all the characters, everything comes together. It's wonderfully um, melancholy movie mm-hmm. would you say like it doesn't necessarily have a happy ending it just has a correct ending to this story yeah and i think it i think that like that's what makes it and i think that's like the fact that um it's melancholy without being dire or grim is like an incredible feat too i think a lot of movies associate melancholy with like um, well it'd be like terms of endearment yeah you know a full-scale mother of like how many kids four kids or whatever yeah dying of cancer <laughs> i think oh totally but i think like a lot of people, young dying young of cancer oh god yeah just 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 fucked <laughs> but yeah. uh but i think that like um i think that the the stakes are made clear and they don't it doesn't like it's the right and it just it makes sense. It makes sense for the where the keep the characters end up. Nothing feels forced. Well, it's it's so real. This idea, like, yeah, it's heightened because they work in a heightened place. Mm-hmm. But kind of their destinies, like, you know, most times you don't end up in this whirlwind romance and end up, you know, you go your separate ways and you're polite to each other. You know, at the you know when you run into each other ten years later or something like that, mm-hmm. like. It isn't all that dramatic. It's more just like we had this moment. Something yeah. didn't go right. We weren't we weren't this cosmic connection, but we had mm-hmm. this moment where we were the most important people in each other's lives. Yeah, that wistful. It's wistful. Yeah, it, yeah, and then like at the end, it's the beauty of the end. None of them are. None of them want to go back. Yeah, but all of them remember what it meant. Mm-hmm. And how beautiful it was, and how much they did when in the how good the good times were. Hundred percent, yeah, and uh, and it's 
everyone ends up where they are, and I think like the restraint they have towards you know you know it could have been really easy to punish William Hurt's character too much or something or like not that his character doesn't deserve to be punished but like you know I don't think he's a a bad guy Mm. necessarily right I think he makes some bad choices but Mm. I also am not sure if he's like reflective enough to know yeah that they are and they are they are moral transgressions they're nothing like illegal or even mean necessarily they are just kind of transgressions that he's too naive to even know he's doing and yet you see that he is kind of living with because like he's the one without a family he's the one without a like he's engaged at the end but it feels very um (sighs) kind of more of a conformity kind of like you're the top anchor yeah you need a wife Mm mm-hmm kind of thing when he'd rather kind of be a himbo who yeah just bounces, cavorts around yeah cavorts around yeah <laughs> a cavorting himbo the classic yeah, yeah a classic james L. Brooks archetype <laughs> a lot of cavorting himbos in his work <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah I, I, but i think that that's what makes it so interesting is like and i think that's like the best thing you can do in movies is like unless you're making like a superhero picture or something not all that good but not all that bad yeah. kind of characters that's kind of human yeah because we're all in the great yeah that's the thing is that all these characters feel intensely human i think they feel it feels even if it is a movie and even if it is heightened it does there's a reality to it that uh rings true yeah like even like albert brooks you think he'd be because like i think he'd probably in a regular less nuanced movie be rooting for him because he's the underdog yes but he's kind of a He's an asshole about it. Yeah, he is hugely so. And he's a whiner and he's a poor loser. And, um, but that like levels him out. But then it'll be you're like, he's a poor loser, but you know, he has a right to be kind of aggrieved in a way because William Hurt's getting it so easily. And mm-hmm. Albert Brooks is doing the work and getting no credit. And he actually kind of stinks at it. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's a wonderful movie. <laughs> like, yeah. I like ending this with us just going back for terrific. Great movie. Yeah, good stuff. Great movie. 10 out of 10. Watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 10 out of 10. It's a yearly watch, I'd say. Yeah. Kind of for, movie. I think it's going to be a yearly watch for me, too, because it's just, yeah, it's one of those movies that's uh, it's very satisfying. It's also just very satisfying to watch. Um, it's like watching, I don't know, it's like having like a piece of well handcrafted furniture from like, switzerland or something where it's just it's so clear that like love has been put into everything and all the characters are working in the right way and just everything everything's reacting as it should uh i yeah i just i appreciate the craftsmanship behind this yeah yeah it's just kind of how will a movie that isn't a high concept movie should work Yeah, honestly, a hundred percent. Yeah, anything that's not like yeah, it's something that's not like a Devil's Advocate or Spider Man or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think our next movie has a much higher concept, but again, it's a home run. We can go to our number one on the Albert yeah. side of things, and I think you know, I'll I'll, I'll say this one. It's, it's 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 clearly it's defending your life. Oh yeah, it's defending yeah. your life. Yeah, it'd be fun to joke and say, nah, it's uh 
It's like the episode of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Albert Brooks cameoed on her. It's, it's concussion. Yeah, it's concussion. It's, Tell the uh, truth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's this is forty. Um, but uh, no, uh, it's it's clearly. I mean, yeah, it's depending on your life. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is one of the great movies. Yeah, I mean, just bottom line, mm-hmm. one of the it, great movies. Incredible how uh, on an artistic level, like. It, you know, I think the reason why this edges out uh, broadcast news slightly for me is that on a um, it just works on every level for, as a comedy, as a romantic film, uh, as a piece of sci-fi. As an existential theoretical philosophy. Yeah. Kind of movie. And then like also just to have like just the. It's like, God, I can't believe I'm saying this, but defending your life is kind of like drive to me where like aesthetically, visually, every, everything kind of works to get like the, 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 the uh, kind of like Orange County setting of heaven. The Century City Disneyland take uh, is, is uh, uh, realized beautifully. Mm-hmm. And I think the only comparable movie I can think of is um, that hits all of these notes at the same level is Groundhog Day. Yeah, but I think this even does a better job than it's bigger. Uh, it's bigger than even bigger concept than Groundhog Day, though. Too. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, because Groundhog Day is incredible. I love Groundhog Day. Yeah. But like, I think what this movie does is so uh, uh, crazy. Just like he legit makes a world, and the world, the logic of the world is put out very clearly in a way that makes a lot of sense you never feel the exposition never feels like exposition which is a feat in itself because it, i god i was watching uh foundation last night uh with my family and it's not bad like i like foundation but there are so many times in this movie where like they're just like this is the psycho history psycho history and it just feels so clunky and like you know they're just writing this in here so people can like you know under such a big part is Rip Torn does most of the exposition work mm-hmm. in this movie, and his attitude is like, "What you didn't know that?" Yeah, and that's so much better than like trying to teach Albert Brooks or anything like. It, that. Yeah, it doesn't like well, and it's like even when it comes off as didactic, it makes sense within the scene. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and then that's like a beautiful feat, and it doesn't feel yeah, and it doesn't feel forced because yeah, Rip Torn, great performance. He's doing his like, uh, oh my gosh, so loud. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> fifth train to drove. This podcast is going to sound very interesting. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, like, yeah, like Albert Brooks's reactions to his, like, you know, audience. What do you mean you don't know what this is, jackass sort of mentality? It's great. Well, like, what do you eat? Oh, you wouldn't like it. Oh, you know, that so, kind of attitude. Yeah. Well, that, actually, that's the thing. He's not like, what do you mean, jackass in this? This is like the tenderest Rip Tortoise probably ever been in a movie. Well, I mean, that's like that final scene where he's like, he's like, he gives Albert Brooks the advice of like, you know what to do. Just do it now on how to live your life. And then like the pride Rip Torn has when he's watching Albert Brooks try and get off that tram. and how much you want him to get off that tram and get to Meryl Streep 
and the and how good the music is and like the way he shoots it and like mm-hmm. and how triumphant and how earned it feels when he does get to her yeah it's how, like it's so satisfying yeah it's a gorgeous uh it's just a great and meryl streep uh really adds a level and you know what albert brooks did a great job of making meryl streep's character feel multi-dimensional mm-hmm. and like but uh, she was but also she's the only actress for the part period a hundred percent yeah well she, yeah, she's the only one that feels like yeah she's the only one that feels like uh the quesach hatterach or whatever like she's like yeah she she in real life is like this super actor mm-hmm. with like a million different who is destined to be the greatest actor of all time and <laughs> who everyone feels like if if albert brooks's vision of the afterlife is correct she is going to move to the next level she's she's accomplished yeah. oh it. yeah she's next she's going to like yeah she's gonna she's gonna you know go to another orb somewhere yeah yeah it's it's i mean we've talked about defending your life many times over the course of the show over the last couple of years but uh, yeah. it is that good and if you haven't checked it out i think it's going to make your day and i think kind of these grim times we're we're feeling right now um you could do worse for yourself to make yourself feel better than watch you should watch defending your don't don't do lewds watch defending yeah. your life yeah, don't do don't do lewds and watch Thursday's game. In yeah, the dark. yeah. Watch, uh, watch, uh, watch, watch your life. Do a watch party with your friends if you can't see them, or your family if you can't see them, and watch defending your life. Yeah, grab a yeah, grab a cup of eggnog. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. This has been what a great journey we've been on. So much fun. I mean, it's yeah. Like you wish that these guys had you know double this amount of movies. Mm-hmm. Who knows if we would have done it if they had, had if they had each done twenty movies? But you know, yeah. <laughs> but it, this is so rewarding. Even like the the movies we felt maybe a little more negative about, mm-hmm. were still fun. I think, and worth honest, it. yeah. Even like stuff like I'll do any. Like I've gotten to see the bootleg musical cut <laughs> of I'll Do Anything. Not that said, that's an ear. You know. You can't make experiences like that up. That's what like what a, a fun cool adventure thing. that was, figuring yeah. that out. I had to, like, yeah, go find the... I had to, like, go to this weird, like, rent movie rental place and had to search online. Like, it was so much fun. What a cool yeah. experience. So, yeah, super fun. I mean, everything from that to Thursday's game on YouTube to, you know, revisiting things like Drive and the Simpsons movie after many years, you know, to, you know, discovering the riches of there the full albert brooks catalog Mm -hmm. yeah super fun so next week though folks we reveal all the academy academy is taking off the robes (laughs) like john lithgow we're we're hanging out naked now (laughs) yeah we're hanging out naked in front of santa claus (laughs) and we will reveal and present at long last the next bracket challenge guests will be returning to the show in 2022 (laughs) normality uh and i think we've it's it's gonna be a good one not you know we'll tease it out a little here but um very different yeah i haven't seen all of these movies but i have a feeling our actor has not played a 
sad East Coast divorced dad who we're supposed to sympathize with despite their being terrible to women and their children. I don't <laughs> think that this man has ever done that. It's a man uh, yeah. we're doing. Um, so it's going to be a lot of different kinds of movies that we have mm-hmm. not covered before. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to watch some of these movies as much as I do love our continuous 70s oeuvre of, you know, we're gonna be moving a little forward in time. Give give me a little more author author anytime. But yeah. um yes, we're gonna be moving a little bit more a little bit more modern mm-hmm. with our actor this time but, around. But not, and, but not too modern. And a little more, let's call it genre oriented. Ah. With our with our actor here. Um so uh send us an email, check us out on Twitter, send us your guesses. Who do you think it's gonna be? Yeah. Do you think it's going to be uh, Gene Wilder? Elliot Gould. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. <laughs> Any day of the week we could do an Elliot Gould. But uh, Michael, no. Richards. Michael, Michael Richards. No, yeah. Michael Richards. And, uh, yes, the Laugh Factory bootleg video <laughs> is, in, is in the bracket. Unfortunately, we had to. <laughs> we had to... It's dark. It's one of his darker. It's like Panic in Needle Park. It's not a pleasant watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our guests did not like that movie. <laughs> they were they they were not only offended by the video, but they were offended by us asking them to watch the video. <laughs> like, couldn't yeah. we have just watched the contest episode of Seinfeld again? <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, isn't he in uh, So I Married an Ex Murderer? He's very funny in So I Married an Ex Murderer. His his one scene is very funny, but uh, I'm a big fan of that movie. Oh, yeah. nos- hey, that's my nostalgia movie. We should we should do a nostalgia pick them. Oh my god, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, after I I uh, inflicted jingle all the way upon you, <laughs> Turtle Man. I'm, I'm not Turbo Man. Ta ta Turtle Man. So yeah. So uh, that's that's it for Brooks. Brooks, it was super fun ride. Next week again, we reveal all, and I think um. There's only one thing I want to say to our listeners, and uh, you're my number one customer. Hey, and Tata uh, ta Turtle Man. Tata ta Turtle Man, and I mean, how do you know? How do you know? Uh, you know because Spanglish. <laughs> Spanglish. <laughs> <laughs>